Good evening, and welcome to the Take 10 Podcast, episode number 9. Before we jump in and cover our topic tonight, I just wanted to give a shout out to you. Yes, you. Just wanted to thank you for listening along and for your continued support throughout the journey of Take 10 from our infant stages on social media to YouTube and now to the podcast. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you commenting and liking and subscribing and all of that good stuff. I just hope that you know that I see it. I appreciate it and just wanted to thank you for continuing this journey with me. So now that we have some of the sappiness out of the way, why don't we jump in to tonight's topic and it is one that I am excited to share with you. As we begin our conversation tonight, I want you to close your eyes and unless you're driving and I don't want you to close your eyes when you're driving. So if you are driving, just visualize yourself. Um, but I want you to visualize yourself in side of a jet, a jet, a fighter jet. So I want you to put yourself in the cockpit and I want you to to think about what it might be like flying over the ocean or, you know, parts of, parts of America or wherever you're listening to this from and the speed and the power that the jet has. And now I want you to imagine what it would be like if all of a sudden your instrument panel started buzzing and warning sirens were going off and or you were receiving messages about the aircraft failure. Would you know what to do next? Do you know what steps that you would take to determine if you could continue your journey or if you would need to make an emergency landing or even worse, to abandon the aircraft. And if your answer to that question is that you don't know what you would do, that is okay. You are joining me and countless others because you are not a fighter pilot. Airplanes and specifically fighter fighter jets are complex, high-performing machines. And there are times when the aircraft can become disabled or where an emergency occurs, which requires the pilot 
to evaluate the, the, the situation and to make a decision. And oftentimes the decision is between being able to decide if they are able to take corrective actions and continue their course or if they need to make the decision that they need to land the aircraft if they're able or to eject from the airplane and have somebody come and rescue them. Now, in order for the pilot to make this split second decision, they're going to remain relaxed. They're going to look around the aircraft and time permitting, they're going to complete an emergency checklist. And once they've done that, they'll make the determination of whether or not they can continue or if they're going to need to abandon or land. Now that we have that thought in our mind, let us jump into our topic tonight and how it applies to mental health because our bodies are also complex, high-performing machines as well. And when you think about our body, the human body, I would argue that it's probably the most complex, high-performing machine in the world. When you think about all that our body can do, it's just so amazing. And just as pilots need to complete checklists at times when their aircraft isn't operating properly, as humans, we too should create an emergency checklist to use Should we identify a malfunction in our body and the steps that we can uh, take in order to check to see if we're able to navigate ourselves back onto course or if we will, will require additional help uh, if needed. And so that is what I want to talk about tonight is creating a mental health checklist, a mental health emergency checklist that we can utilize should our body tell us that we're heading off course, that we can complete a checklist and identify whether or not we're able to course correct or if we need to reach out for additional help, um, to, to gain assistance. So what does this checklist look like? And it means that we should put into tangible form, so we're going to write it out, a plan that helps to identify when you or your body may be heading off course, a list of things that you can do or complete that will help guide your body back to its original course of direction. And then to have a plan in place that will allow you to ask for help if you are unable to 
course correct after you complete all of the items listed on your checklist. So that sounds like a lot, but tonight I want to walk through what an, what an example of a mental health checklist looks like so that you can put one together should you need it. But as I share what this example might look like, please note that this is not the template that is going to work for every single person in every single situation. This checklist, while it might work for me, might not work for you. Or you may identify additional items that you would put into your checklist. I'm simply sharing this with you as a way to help you as you start thinking about what your checklist might look like as well. So if you come up with additional ideas, that is awesome. The point is in this, the point in creating this checklist, I apologize, is to help you identify when your body is telling you that something's wrong, that you can take action on certain items to, to hopefully course correct, and if not, know who you can reach out to for additional help. So, let's begin walking through this emergency checklist. And there are three points of the checklist, which I inadvertently just covered with you, but the first one is being able to recognize warning signs in your body that are trying to tell you that you are needing uh, an oil change, if you will, or you're, you're needing some additional help in getting back onto course. It's saying, hey, we are navigating off and we're feeling off and things might not be going amazingly, so take a look at what's going on. As a pilot, or if you were a pilot, this first step of recognizing the warning signs would be instruments in the cockpit that are starting to light up or to provide messages that something may be going wrong. In step number two, it's completing an emergency checklist. This checklist should be used to complete tasks or activities that may allow you to course correct or overcome the problem. And then third is to know who to contact um, for additional help if completing items on your checklist is unsuccessful. So let's jump in and cover each of the sections a little bit more in detail. Step number one, knowing my warning signs. Just as instruments in an airplane will alarm a pilot of potential danger, our body will also attempt to notify us when things may not be properly working. It's important to know what these warning signs are 
so that you can be in tune to recognize them. But what I will caution in this is that it's not something you're going to just know right away. It's going to take some practice in helping to identify and recognize what these warning signs are. Um, and that it's something that is going to happen over time. And that's okay. For example, some of the warning signs might include being overly tired for an extended period of time, not wanting to do normal activities that you typically or normally enjoy doing, being overly or easily agitated or irritated, wanting to excessively lounge and not do anything, or wanting a lot of alone time. For me, I'm, um, I like alone time to begin with. So for, for my own personal warning signs, wanting additional alone time in addition to the a lot of alone time that I like would be my trigger. But it may be additional items that are included there as well. These are just examples. Um, and I know that I have in the past, um, when I feel like maybe I'm navigating off course a little bit, uh, the sign for me is not wanting to do normal activities that I typically really enjoy doing. If I start seeing that on a consistent basis, that's a sign for me to to check myself and to, to identify if something may be going on and seeing if there's anything that I can do to get back on track. So once we know our warning signs in step number two, uh, we complete our emergency checklist. And our goal with this is to see if any of the, the items on our checklist will help overcome some of those warning signs that our body's giving to us to help us get back on track. Now, this checklist um, is and can range from simple to complex tasks, and they will be tailored to your individual needs. As you're thinking about your emergency checklist plan, I would encourage you to put a lot of items on this checklist. It doesn't mean that you have to go through each and every single task if you notice a warning sign in your body, but being aware of some of the tasks that may allow you to get back on track is beneficial and having written them down will allow you to be aware of them and to allow you to try completing those tasks to get back on track. Some examples of uh, checklist items might include, have I gotten up and have I showered? Have I made the bed? Am I able to set aside five or 10 minutes to accomplish a simple task around the house? It could be something as simple as tidying up a room, vacuuming, or even doing something in the yard or taking out the trash. It could include 
being outside, um, asking yourself if you've been outside and have you gotten any sunlight for the day? Have you gotten exercise? Even something as simple as a walk around the neighborhood can have a significant Im impact. Have you completed a breathing or meditation session? Have I or can I spend time with family? And obviously, if family um, is n not a source of, of joy or happiness for you, then you wouldn't want to include that. Um, some other things that, that may go on your checklist are, have I spent some time alone listening to music? Have I gone for a drive? Have I talked to somebody that I care about? And as you go through items on your checklist, I think it's important for each of us to reflect back and to see if we've seen any improvement in our body's warning signs. And if we have, then that's good news. It means that we're course correcting and we're heading back to the, to the, to our, to our path. But if not, and you know, some additional time has passed and you're still navigating off course, then it is beneficial for us to move on to step number three. And step number three is making sure that we know who we can contact for additional help. <clears throat> there are situations where the pilot, if we're thinking about being in the cockpit, is going to encounter a notification of emergency in their aircraft. They're going to look around. They're going to check their instruments. They're going to complete their checklist. And they're going to go through all of that information. And once they've completed all of that, they're still going to identify that they are unable to correct the issue with their plane. And they're going to need to request assistance for help. It may be that they need to make an emergency landing or it may need to be that they need to eject from their plane and it's okay. They've done all that they could and now need some additional help. And there are going to be times that we proceed through our checklist as well. And there are going to be situations where no matter what we do, we may also need additional help to get us back on track. And just as it's okay for a pilot to need to, to land unexpectedly or to abandon their aircraft, it's okay if our checklists don't work and we need additional help as well. And step number three, we have I ideally identified individuals that we can contact should we need additional assistance. <clears throat> and these, these people that we could contact for additional assistance could be a variety of different individuals. It could be family members. It could be friends. It could be other loved ones that we have. It could be a therapist if you have one. It could be a, a, a doctor or anybody else that you identify. 
And once we've identified these individuals, we need to give ourselves permission that it's okay to contact them if we've gone through our checklist and things continue to to remain um, unwell. If we've identified that we've left course, we've tried to get back on and are, are still unable, that it's okay to contact these individuals for additional help. There's no shame in getting help. That is why we're here, is to support and to help when able and to ask for it when needed. The other thing that I will say about this checklist is that it's one that is good to have in advance of a situation in which it's needed. So I would recommend getting to work on it as soon as possible. I would review it so that in a situation that it is needed, you already know what you may need to do, but that you can refer back to it for any additional help. And I would also recommend that you share it with somebody that you trust and that you allow them to know what your plan is as well. So that if you are in a situation where you are needing that help, you've completed your checklist and you are still unable to, to course correct that they may be able to ask you where you're at in your emergency checklist and that they can help guide you or assist you if you need. The other thing that I will, that I'll mention just as we close is that this is a working document. It's not something that we're going to etch into stone and keep in a bunker somewhere for generations to come. This uh, is a working document. It's something that you can utilize, <clears throat> excuse me, whenever you need. And it's one that can be updated as you learn and progress through your mental health journey. You can add to or subtract from anything on this list as it adds or takes away benefit from you getting better. And so refer back to it often, add to it if needed, or remove things that no longer bring you the assistance that you may need. Just as a fighter pilot uh, takes to the air, they always hope that they will never encounter a situation in which their emergency checklist is needed and that they have to make some split second decisions on whether or not they're able to continue or whether or not they're going to need assistance. And hopefully as we go about our days, we, we hope that we won't have to use our checklist very often as well. But when those situations arise where it is needed, it's invaluable to have. As you go throughout your days, I encourage you to 
to think about what others may be going through. There are so many instances in a day where we interact with other individuals and we may sometimes have those feelings where we get frustrated or angry over little things. I do it all the time. And I'm trying to be better about having the outlook that I don't know what that person is going through. And ultimately, it's not their fault that I'm upset by something that they did anyways. That's on me. But I try to, to frame it from a perspective of not knowing what they're going through or what they're dealing with. And that given the opportunity, I should be compassionate rather than judgmental. And that my my actions are my decisions. And that I have the power and the ability to choose what I do. And as you go about your day, I would encourage you to be mindful of the actions and the decisions that you are making as well. And that as you go through your days, that you do it with a perspective that you do, that you be, and that you inspire good in all that you do. I, uh, I again appreciate all that you do for me and for the good that you do in this world and for those that you come in contact with. It makes an incredible impact. And whether you know it or not, you do make a difference. Thank you very much for joining me on episode number nine. We'll see you on episode number 10. Thank you and have a great night. Goodbye.